All right, look at you. You look good. You look good. You look like you settled into a new podcast and you're ready for it. There's a new dynamic in my home and that is limiting swear words because my daughter now soaks up everything. I guess she has always been soaking up everything, but now she can imitate. This is the fun phase. Can you say lion? Lene. Can you say computer? Bandina. This is fun, you know. Can you say car? Yeah. But can you say fuck? Fuck. You know she's going to soak up the swear words. Can you say shit? Shit. Can you say rhino? Menya. Can you say pillow? Benya. Can you say bastard? Bastard. She's going to soak up the swear words, so I got to stop swearing. I got to stop. And I don't know what that's going to mean for the podcast. Either I will be so bottled up that I'll just spew, spew curse words into this mic, or it's going to get really clean. It's going to go from rated R to maybe PG-13. It'll tiptoe into PG territory, I'm sorry to say. But I got to change my ways. We cannot have this girl... Getting in trouble at daycare for dropping F-bombs. I got to change my ways. All right, welcome in. It's episode 61, Parenting. Huh? It's an obvious topic. But it's now that part of parenting where it pierces your heart with something so loving that you didn't know you were capable of feeling that. You know that feeling? It's almost too good. It gives you anxiety. To love something so much... You could bask in it for a while. You could just go, oh, this is so nice. Holy moly, I got to protect her forever. Oh, this is so sweet. Oh, shit, I hope she never falls. I hope she never gets bullied. I hope she always likes me. I don't know. I shouldn't even worry about what could happen in the future. I should just stay present and enjoy it. But it's so good right now. It's not good at the beginning. Anybody who loves their newborn so much is lying or they're psycho. I shouldn't say that, but it's true, right? I mean, you like your newborn a little bit. You like your newborn enough. But then when they reach this age, this is now 19 months. This is when it gets really, really fun. And then your heart just bursts with love, sweet love. Can't stand to be away. That kind of love. And just watching the progression, the development, all the good things, all the good things. And there's a lot of challenging things too. But isn't that life? Life is supposed to be yin-yang, good and bad. And if you start clinging to what you cannot change, you'll suffer. There you go. We got some wisdom out of the gates. Think about that for a moment though. How many of us cling to what we cannot change? And what happens? You start to suffer. But you just accept the way things are. And then you get to live a blissful existence. Is that true? Is that in the self-help books? Is that what Buddha is telling us or Malcolm Gladwell is telling us or John Kabat-Zinn is telling us? Tell me something good, Shaka Khan. No, but it's true. We're supposed to look at suffering. We're supposed to look at the shitty moments in life and go, we need it. We actually need it. It's normal. So we welcome it. Bad days. Anybody who says no bad days is a bunch of bullshit. We say yes, bad days. Yeah, bring them. Because then it'll really elevate the good days. And if every day was a good day, they would all stop being good and they would just become days. Happened in San Diego. When I lived in San Diego, it was sunny every single day. Guess what happened? I stopped appreciating the sun. I mean, I liked it. I remember liking it, but I don't remember waking up every day and going, good morning, star. No hair, anybody? But I didn't really wake up every day in San Diego and go, oh, 
how wonderful it's sunny. The weather down there is amazing. But of course I stopped enjoying it, stopped appreciating it. So that's why we need bad days, to appreciate the good. This is the type of profound wisdom you're going to get. All right, but back to parenting for a moment. So if they're going to soak everything up, and these are the impressionable years, right? These are the years not to mess up, not to screw everything up. So she'll need a therapist down the road. And by the way, I do want to talk about therapists later in this podcast because the stigma is gone. Talking about going to see a therapist now, that's just mainstream. That's just small talk. Nothing to be embarrassed about. But everything that's happening right now in her brain matters. Will she remember the specific moments at 19 months? No, 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 she won't. It's like Nate Bargatze's joke. The stand-up comedian says, you know, I took my daughter to Disneyland and my friend said, she won't remember. And Nate said, what do you want me to do? Just lock her in a closet for these first four years where she has no memories that are going to remain? No, you still got to treat these years as truly important because you're sculpting something beautiful. And then you get to see the flower blossom. You get to see it grow in a positive direction if you do the good parenting at the beginning. And I guess throughout. But the good parenting at the beginning, read to them, right? You've all heard this. Read to them. Well, There are some books that are so new and you could tell they're so new because they try to be so politically correct. You know, for 200 years, it was probably just white kids, white babies and baby books. But the new age baby books, you get some diversity. Oh, yeah. I went to the library and I got this one called All Kinds of People. And as you read through it, they don't call people black people or white people. We do. We get the colors wrong, though. At first, I was reading this book. I was like, how are people going to receive this? Because they start labeling skin colors in ways that we don't label skin colors. The first page is, people come in all shades, coffee, cocoa. And they have pictures of kids who are coffee colored or cocoa colored. And then the next page, they come in all shades, like Sandy and Peach. Sandy and Peach is a white girl sitting next to an Asian girl. But they say she has Sandy skin and she has Peach skin. Then the next page is they come in all shades, cream and ivory, copper and tan. And they've just got a lot of ethnic looking kids with a lot of different skin colors throughout the whole book. Oh, there's pink, there's rose, there's almond. I'm now reading the book. I have the book in my hand right now. I'm just reading you a children's book. There's shades of gold, two Asian girls, bronze and brown, two black kids. And I'm thinking, all right, we need to get away from black and white. We're getting the colors wrong. This book is more accurate. Is it going to rub people the wrong way? Are they going to go, we don't call kids ivory or cocoa or almond. Then the next page, some people look dark, an African-American girl. And on the next page, and some are light, an albino looking boy. And then it says, even in the same family, there could be many shades on and on and on and on. Lots of shades at the playground. Just a bunch of kids of different colors hanging out, playing. I think it's a good book. I like the book. You know, to me, I could analyze it on this podcast right here, but to my daughter, is she really going to pick this up that, oh, that's cocoa skin, that's cinnamon skin, that's cream skin. And then the last page is all shades of kids play together. So it's a good book. It really is. But it makes you realize we got it all wrong. We got it all wrong because we're lazy. We made it easy. We say these are white people. First of all, they're not white. Even the whitest person, you know, they're not white, right? They're more eggshell colored. But we should try to be specific. And when you think of black people, too lazy. We got to be more descriptive. We got to use our words. We could do better. They do better with shades of paint. You ever go buy a paint? 
the amount of colors and different shades and poetic, eloquent names, artistic names for these paints, so much better than what we've done with humans. Humans would go, that's a black guy and that's a white woman. That's a white guy right there. Could have Russian descent, Spanish descent, Norwegian descent. But if to our eyes looks white, we go, that's a white guy. Mm-mm. We should start using this book as our guide. Plus, we got the colors wrong. We got the colors wrong for a few other things, too. Why, would, why do we call them redheads? They're not redheads. Think of the color red right now in your mind. Think of the color red. Think, think. You got it? Nope. A redhead is an orange-headed person. Next time you see a redhead, just think, nope, that's orange. They're orange-head. Redhead makes it sound so nice. Is orange-head more insulting if you were describing yourself and you're a redhead? Is it worse to say, I have orange hair? Do you feel like a clown? You shouldn't. You should just say, I have orange hair. It's orange. That's the color. Nobody truly has red hair. How about wines? What do we call it? Red wine. Now think of the color red. You've never seen red wine. It's all purple, right? Shades of purple. Why don't we just call it purple wine? Why are we getting colors wrong? Why are we doing this? It's too lazy. White wine. You've never seen a white wine in your life. The color white. We can all agree on the color white. Close your eyes. Picture that color white. See it? You see that color white? And now picture a glass of white wine. No, it's more yellow. Looks like a urine sample. We could do better. Honeysuckle colored wine. Not white. Want to know what a white beverage is? Milk. That's white. This is now a forum question without any people in the room with me. What other colors do we get wrong? Besides skin colors, hair colors, and of course wines. It's a long list, I'm guessing. But just think about this. Think about this. We need to be more descriptive with our words, with our words. Speaking of words, I'm done with any political debates. Done. These candidates, so-called candidates, can I do the air quotes? These candidates have nothing to say, but they love to speak during these debates. And I'm not watching them. Jump the shark. By the way, jump the shark. John Hine created the term jump the shark. Have I talked about this already? Fonzie, happy days, jumps the shark. That was the moment the show started to suck. Now every show and maybe even bands and other things in life, when they have this moment, jump the shark, it means not good anymore. I bet you political debates were very interesting and intriguing and entertaining at one point, even in my lifetime, but we don't need them anymore. It's bad TV. It's supposed to be TMZ. Now scintillating just terrible reality television. Just a bunch of people yelling. Now, the Democrats are going to start debating. And I don't know if the ratings are going to be good or bad. I don't know. But I do know that I'm done. However, I tuned into Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah on The Daily Show. I say new host of The Daily Show, but I guess he's been hosting in a while. He's just the host of The Daily Show. Even though when I still say Daily Show, you think Jon Stewart, right? Right? Just rename it The Trevor Noah Show. I don't think Jon Stewart ever jumped the shark, but back to Trevor. What Trevor did was a 12-minute recap. It's like a nine-inning baseball game. If it's a good sports center anchor, they're going to take you through the game, and you'll feel like, you know, I saw, I saw the meat of it. See, I get the gist. Yeah, I saw what I needed to see. That was Trevor Noah. Now, he's a comedian, so he added some humor. But even though he's a comedian, he couldn't make it funny because it was so sad. What were there, like 20 candidates, 20 podiums, 20 microphones? Nobody saying anything. Just empty talk. And they all have their talking points. They all have their little bullet points on immigration, on gun control, on education, on taxes. And they say things in this voice that make you feel like they're the authority on this topic. And I know we need a voice. 
when it comes to giving people representation and benefits and the voice they need to be heard. And I just said nothing right there. I just said nothing. But all of a sudden, people in the audience are clapping. Isn't that the worst? Like Bill Maher's show and people just start clapping for nothing. Just idiot audiences. Just idiot audience members that are trained to clap like monkeys. Oh, they said something in that voice. So here's when we clap. Unwatchable. I mean, I did watch the highlights on Trevor Noah. So I feel like I got a little bit of it. I didn't even know all the candidates. There was one lady on the end. It just said author. Never heard of her. And it was when it was her turn to talk, she just said, you know something? Too many people come into this without a plan and I'm going to have a plan. And people applaud. Oh, she's coming with a plan. You know, I like that. I like that. Then some other guy just trying to talk over some other guy. And you got the old guys like Biden and Bernie. And they, they like to shout. They like to shout. They steamroll. If you keep talking, you keep making your point while other people are talking. No, what, what, what I was saying, Linda, Linda, what, what, what I was saying, Linda, what I, what, what I was saying, Linda, Linda, what I was saying, shut the fuck up, right? There needs to be an order to who talks. Otherwise, it's just vocal commotion. Just interruption, disruption, interruption, disruption, followed by someone who said, if they're going to come into this country, they're going to be treated like they belong in this country. We're going to make sure our students feel safe again. We're going to get the economy to where it is at a point where we can be proud to be in this country with the economy. Clap, 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 applause, empty comment, empty comment. Suit and tie, pantsuit, suit and tie, pantsuit, gel in your hair, gel in your hair, jewelry pin, suit and tie, pantsuit, suit and tie, pantsuit, economics, immigration, say the same thing, get everybody excited. Oh, this lady has a plan. How amazing. This lady has a plan. We got to applaud for that. She has a plan. And then Bernie, who definitely does not have a stylist, no wardrobe, just walks right out of the travelodge in the same suit he wore to his nephew's bar mitzvah 20 years ago, dropping spit all over the mic, not even listening to anybody. Doesn't even listen to the question being asked. It's kind of sad. Got a little sad. It's not even a political rant. This is just about a TV show called Debates. How bad are they? And I know at one point, what do they say, the Nixon-Kennedy debate, it was so significant for people to see how gorgeous John F. Kennedy was and then how nervous and sweaty Jiggy Dick Richard Nixon was with his five o'clock shadow. And it means something. Of course, your delivery, how you speak means something. Although we've had some presidents who are not great speakers still get in office. And isn't that politics altogether? It's not how smart you are. It's not even how great of a leader you are. It's just who you know and how much money you have. There it is. I simplified everything you'll ever need to know about politics. Who do you know? Social capital. Who did you know that elevated your career? Who did you know that helped fund your career? That's it. Who did you know that elevated your career? Whether it was nepotism or just meeting the right people or having wealthy enough parents to get you into the right school, meet the right professor, meet the right people, meet the right fundraisers, meet the right donors, and then you got to where you needed to get to. And now you need to have a plan. So someone should talk to that author on the left. Who was she? Honestly, who was she? Here's a question. Here's a big one for you. July 4th, 1776. Why is that a significant date? I'll say it again, July 4th, 1776. I gave you time to answer right there. This is a Q&A. It's a holiday called Independence Day. Did we get our independence on Independence Day? No. But we celebrate Independence Day on July 4th, commemorating what happened 
1776. You don't have to be a history nerd to stay with me on this rant, but it's time to change it up. July 4th is just the day that the Continental Congress decided to declare their independence. They said, hey, Brits, we're done with you. We're done with the monarchy. Thanks for everything. We don't like all these taxes. So we, the colonists who came over here on this new British colony, we're staying. And we're detaching. We're going to be America. We're going to be the USA. USA. But that's all that happened. A declaration. They didn't become a country. They didn't become an independent country on Independence Day. They didn't. They still had to do something. Oh, yeah. Fight the Revolutionary War. Why are we celebrating the day where they just said, hey, we got a plan. I'll tell you the date we should be celebrating. September 3rd of 1783. That is the day the American Revolutionary War ended. And guess what? We won. How do I know that? Because I'm sitting here in America with with all of our man-made labels for our territories. That used to be other territories. But when you win wars, you keep your territories. Then you build on it till you lose another war. But in my lifetime, it's going to remain America. That's my proclamation. So yeah, let's celebrate it, but let's do it properly. Just declaring independence. Like, we got this plan. We're going to uh, stay here. We're going to stay here in, uh, yeah, we're going to do a democracy. You think about that. And everyone's like, here, here, cheers. And they probably had a nice night at the bars and the pubs and said, yeah, did you hear it earlier today? Continental Congress, they said uh, it's Independence Day and it's exciting. But then you fight a long, ugly, bloody war and win. That's your holiday, winning the war. So September 3rd, 1783, nobody gets that day off. I don't think anybody's barbecuing. I don't think anybody's on the slip and slide. I don't hear fireworks on September 3rd. Let's not get this one wrong. We've been getting it wrong the whole time. To just declare something is so empty unless you execute the game plan. Some of you agree with me right now. Some of you hate what I just said because you love the timing of July 4th. Boom, right there in the summertime. July 4th, it's a good time in the summertime. But September 3rd, that's our holiday. That is when they sign the old treaty and the Brits go, all right, all right, you win. We're done here. That's an accurate assessment of what happened. That's a direct quote. The British government just went, all right, enough, fuck. What do you need? All right, there you go. You can stay. You got it. That's your day. You win the war. You celebrate that day, September 3rd. Write it down. You could still barbecue on July 4th, but all you did was declare that you wanted to be independent. I'll make a declaration right now. I hereby want to be a millionaire. I hereby will be a millionaire. Oh, well, what's today's date? Uh, July 8th. There's nothing to celebrate today. I just said into a microphone... I declare I want to be a millionaire. Guess what date we should probably celebrate if that happens? You got it. I'm not even going to answer. You got it. We'll move on. I'll just dangle that one out there. All right. There's something in the settings on your iPhone. Look at your settings right now. I'll give you a moment. That was a big inhale. I'll give you a moment. Look at the screen time. I don't know if you have to activate it or if it's one of the iOS Software updates, but I got it. Screen time is an option on your iPhone to see how much you're on your phone. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm averaging about six hours a day. That's nauseating. I shouldn't be on my phone six hours a day. And if you're picturing me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, then I'm living an empty life, a pathetic life. But it's not that. I was wondering, how could this be? 
heck could this be? Well, every dog walk, I'm listening to a podcast. Okay. And sometimes I need directions. So then, of course, I'm using maps on my phone. I feel like I'm always texting with someone here and there, whether it's about daycare with my wife, little things like, can you pick up milk? Little texts like that throughout the day. They don't end, right? A stream with some friends, with some family. Texts don't end. So chalk up all those minutes. Actual phone calls. You remember, we still call these phones. And I, I like talking on the phone. I still do. Okay, a little Twitter here, a little Instagram there, a little Facebook there. But what else, right? Okay, when I go on runs, I now use the Strava app because I'm an idiot. I can't just run outside. I have to turn it into some tech competition where I uh, motivate myself. What I, why am I even on this app? I don't know. But here is where I'm losing the hours. Googling dumb shit. For instance, my wife and I are driving to Walnut Creek two days ago. Look across the bay and go, wow, that Salesforce tower is so big. And then we both said, what is Salesforce? Not even embarrassed. We're not expected to know everything. There's a lot of companies nowadays. Who knows every company? I hope you don't. I hope you don't. I hope you're not one of those know-it-alls who's just like, oh yeah, Salesforce. Uh, of course, that's a company that's teaching customers on how to gauge and analyze the interests of consumers and their habits. No. Googled it. Learned about it. And then as you're Googling through Wikipedia, you're going, wow, it's now the tallest of all buildings on the West Coast outside of the Grand Wilshire. And then you look up the other tall buildings and then you look up the tall buildings in the world. The tangent that you could get on from Wikipedia is scary and you could truly lose six hours. So there's my screen time. Googling dumb stuff. Salesforce. What is Salesforce? I know it's Benioff's billion dollar company. Then I learn, and then I learn about buildings and heights. I need to know how tall it is now because it's gaudy. It makes the whole skyline over San Francisco look a little off. You know, the Transamerica Pyramid, that used to be the beacon in the sky. That looks like a miniature little schnauzer now compared to the Salesforce Tower. It's unreal. How do we even build these buildings? How would any human feel safe? I know construction workers are amazingly courageous, a lot of them who go to the top, but... Do you have a death wish? If you're building this, you go to the top. Who are these people building this stuff? I guess that's an old industrial conversation. But think of some other dumb things that you just recently Googled. Celebrity ages. You always have to know celebrity ages, right? Harvey Keitel, he's 80. Do you believe me right now that Harvey Keitel is 80? I might be kidding. Look it up. Don't you kind of want to know how old Clint Eastwood is? I'm going to Google it right now. I'm picking up my phone. I feel like some of you are interested. How old is Clint Eastwood? And no, I haven't seen The Mule yet, but I'll probably watch it tonight. All right, uh, Clint Eastwood. Perfect example. So Clint Eastwood is 89 years old. Oh my Lord. I would have guessed 80. I would have been nine years off. Has had two wives. And they even list his domestic partners. And then I could look up Clint Eastwood's filmography. And then look up all these movies that I go, oh, I like that one. I didn't like that one. Oh, he directed that one? And honestly, I'm not going to do it right here while I'm recording, but that could take 20 minutes of my life. So there you go, screen time. So how do I reduce it? Put the phone down. If the phone's even within sight, in my hand or in my pocket, I'm on it. I lose. I'm swept up in the wave. Like I said, I'm swept up in the stupid wave of tech. The urge to tap the apps, it has completely overtaken my ability to restrain myself. So, just got to keep it in another room. Keep it zipped away in a bag, in a backpack, which I did today because I'm taking a class. 
through Dominican continuing education units because teachers need more money and teachers have to pay to get more money. Did you know this? This is what teachers have to do. Teachers have to pay universities to take classes so they get more units and move on the salary schedule. Did you know this? It's the stupidest thing. I have to pay to make more money. So I'm paying for the units and now I get more units and now I make more money. But didn't I really break even? Yeah, I kind of broke even. It's a racket. Although I like the class. It's taught by this lady. I think she's in her 70s and she can't retire because she's so passionate. How about that for a microcosm of good teaching? Can't retire because you're so passionate. And she has a lot of wisdom. She has a lot of wit. And she has a lot of opinions, which made the day a little more exciting. We were already doing presentations. Nobody asked. Is that right? Nobody asked. But my anxiety. I don't know why. I have heightened anxiety now. Maybe something about parenting. I don't remember being like this when I was a teenager, throughout my 20s, even early 30s. But now, just being in a class like that, and I know I have to present or just meet a bunch of strangers, all good people, all satisfying, fulfilling. In the end, I'm happy I'm doing it, happy to meet all these people. But there's just something about it where I go, and breathe, and be a human. Don't let them see your fear. Isn't that life, challenging yourself, putting yourself out there? I think in a weird way, I'm drawn to that feeling. You're not supposed to embrace anxiety, but you're supposed to understand it. Just understand, every human has it. How you manage the levels. Some people, it gets out of control. Other people, it kind of stays in that sweet spot where you're able to control it. And then some people just go, yeah, I don't really feel anxiety. Those people, oh God, God. How great was your childhood? The people who go, you know, anxiety's never been an issue for me. I don't exactly relate to that. Wow, wow. I guess I envy that. Yeah, yeah, I do. So this gets me to therapy. Anxiety, what? One of the top three reasons anybody would see a therapist? To just say, I'm always worried. I'm always worried about something. I'm always concerned about something. And just let it seep into my mind. Even when everything's going swimmingly, just some thought comes into my mind. I go, damn, can't control it. So you see a therapist, if you can. But I feel like a therapist is now one of two things. Number one, is it like a symbol of status now? You know, I hear a lot of celebrities on their podcast talking about their therapist just so freely. I wonder, is it like going to a fancy restaurant, driving a nice car, and, oh yeah, I see my therapist on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. It's great. We have a nice relationship. It has oddly fallen into that category of like status. You got some money? You got some time? Then seeing a therapist is cool now. No stigma anymore. Although if I said right now, if I just said, I'm seeing a therapist, some people listening will go, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Nothing. That's what unifies all of us. That's what unifies all of us. No one has it together. No one. You cannot name one person right now that doesn't need therapy. Try. Okay? And if you're thinking of someone right now who doesn't need a therapist, guess what? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. They're just good at shielding it from you. They're good at shielding it. The people we go, they have it all together. Man, do they have their shit together. We say that about some people, don't we? Those people don't. They don't. Mm -mm. This is what unifies the human race. We all don't have our shit together. We don't. Sometimes we do, I guess, fake it till we make it. And we're pretty poised and composed, you know, for a good percentage of the day or the week or the month. But then we all lose it, unravel at some point, right? Right? Everybody needs a therapist. And because it's no longer stigmatized, even viewed as a symbol of status, then it should be a goal for everybody. Dig deep. Dig deep into those early days. 
It's almost weird that therapy works. I mean, it does if you find a good therapist, but just like any job, right? There's good and there's bad. There's good doctors, bad doctors, good teachers, bad teachers, good lawyers, bad lawyers, good therapists, bad therapists. If you have a bad instance, your first attempt at therapy, and it's just a bad situation, bad therapist, you'll never go back. Most people just go, eh, not for me. But if you find a good one, the breakthrough, get the Kleenex ready. You'll start crying about things you didn't even know were in you. I would love to, can't afford it right now. I have Kaiser. Kaiser is the shittiest when it comes to, you know, getting a therapist, but I would love to have the time and the money one day just to sit there and just rip into family. Maybe that's not all therapy sessions, but it's most, right? It's most. It's what a therapist will say. What was your dad like? Mm-hmm. And what was your mom like? Mm-hmm. And then you'll just start talking. And you're just on a stranger's couch, right? Like every movie you've seen. And by the way, it's in so many movies and TV shows. Especially these big little lies scenes with Nicole Kidman. All right, I got to get off that show. It's, it's too much for me. It's too good. It's too dramatic. It's too consuming. But how does it work? You just sit on a couch and you talk to somebody. A professional. A professional listener who looks for patterns in your behavior. And they have studied enough psychology where they can help you connect some things in your life and then awareness hey awareness is a beautiful thing then you just start to feel better isn't that weird here's the point talk express yourself i think i've said that before but just the idea of talking helps you feel better you keep yourself all bottled up if you keep everything private because you're embarrassed to tell people about your deep dark secrets or the things that you're embarrassed about or the things that you're ashamed of it's going to wear away at you it's going to kill you actually it's going to kill you so let it out shout shout let it all nope okay but you get my point i've seen two therapists in my life i think and one of them said relationships comes down to three things i should probably end with this it's getting a little long but i'll just end with this and you evaluate this in your relationship if you're in a relationship relationships come down to three things one communication two sex three finances it's kind of true isn't it? What'll make or break your marriage right now? Or you got a boyfriend, your girlfriend? Think about these three. If you're three for three, if you're like, we communicate so well, we have the best sex, our finances are solid, then great. Good for you. We celebrate you. Toast to you. You still need a therapist, but still, I, I give you kudos. But now really think about yourself. Communication. Who's measuring what's good communication? What's bad communication? There's no criteria. There's no gold standard. So it's up to you. You feel like you express yourself well? Are you well understood? Do you understand your mate? Good. Chalk up a victory. Sex. Sex. Nothing more fun to talk about. Once again, who sets the criteria? What's good? What's bad? Is it duration? Is it amount? Is it experimental? Hey, it's up to you. But if you're like, you know, sex is fine in our marriage. Sex is fine in our life. Good. Chalk up a victory. Move on to finances. Finances. That's a teeth closed inhale. <sighs> Exhale, says the public school teacher. All right, finances, if you have enough, it's more of a mindset. But nobody, or I, I should say very few people are okay just having enough. Most people want a little excess, a little vacation money, a little car money, a little go shopping money. No, not at Ross, not at Marshall's. I'm talking about Banana Republic, a store that oddly fits me very well. My frame, I'm just telling you, if you ever need to get me a gift for anything, just Banana Republic gift card, it's all good. The clothes fit me. I look great in them. You know, I can't stay modest at all times. I look great in Banana Republic clothes. And I want a lot of money for that. I want more money 
to see a therapist and to eat steak dinners at fancy steakhouses once every two months. Martini, baked potato, fancy steak dinners where it's very dim in the restaurant. The waiter is in formal wear. You know what I'm saying? All right, but finances. See, couples really shouldn't fight about this. It shouldn't hurt relationships. But oh my God, it does, right? Right? Because you want to be an earner, a provider, and you want to be well-valued by your mate. You want to feel like you're doing your part and you're even exceeding expectations. But then again, capital, don't, no, no, no. Just another capitalism rant. I feel like I already did that a few episodes ago. But most people are not killing it. Most people are either just enough or in the red with aspirations to get ahead. Hey, that rhymed. Most people, what did I say? I forget, but I know it rhymed. I can't go back. My brain's not working that way. We're not doing a rewind today. All right. I was going to touch on salespeople as well, but that seems like it doesn't even fit anything I've talked about. But right? Salespeople? How bad are they nowadays? I'm just going to do this real quick at the end because I wrote down a bullet point that says salespeople, but I know what it's about. In my mind, salespeople just used to be so much better. In my mind, you used to walk into like a Sears and someone in a tie would come up to you with a name tag, Ken, and Ken would come up to you and just show you every single dishwasher and he would know every feature. And what are you mostly cleaning? Are you doing bowls and plates at your house? Okay. So let me interest you in this dishwasher. I, I really like the quality of this, you know, and the sales associates, I feel like in the 1960s, seventies, eighties, even knew what they were doing, liked their jobs, were good at their jobs. Nowadays, who are these people working at these stores where you're going to make big purchases like mattresses? Or appliances? Who are these people who work there? They're not helpful. They don't know shit about it. You ask them something, they need to Google it in the back and come back and spew out some stuff that they don't know about. I'm just going to end with it. I, I got to end already, but running shoes, right? I wanted to buy running shoes recently. Running shoes. I go into Macy's. I go into this corner, the finish line portion of Macy's. Have you seen this? This girl, this young girl's on her phone and they dress her up like she's all sporty. They have costumes or what are they called? Uniforms. But you know, she's in like a sporty outfit. She's texting. And she has such long hair that her hair's over her face and the phone. So she's like in a hair tent texting. And I kind of woke her up. You know, I unzipped the hair tent. I said, ma'am, which running shoe do you recommend? She was so inconvenienced, so annoyed that I interrupted her while she was texting. And she gave me a big exhale. She looked up. What are you looking for? Like at the gym? I was like, no, 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 on the streets. Like, is there a running shoe that you recommend? And she looks at the wall of shoes, confused, and goes, uh, Asics? Asics? I was like, oh my God, go back to texting. Where's the old school customer associate who asks me questions about my foot, about what kind of roads I'm running on, and then has me try on a few and goes back to the back room. By the way, I've never been in the back room of a shoe store Sounds confusing, doesn't it? What do you picture? Just endless hallways full of shoes, the dark room. Who's even been back there? But a good sales associate, these people from the 70s and 80s who were proud to be there, wanted to make a sale. They wanted to send you on your run. Nope, not anymore. You won't find those. So of course I didn't buy at Macy's. Then I went to Big Five. Yeah, I still go to Big Five. They had a $10 off coupon. This guy didn't even know what. The fucking inventory. I'm not making this up. I go in there and I start picking up Nikes off the wall. And I said, what can you tell me about this? And he kept looking surprised. This dude kept saying, whoa, we got that in? 
man, I didn't even know we got those in yet. And then I'd say, okay, okay, perhaps he doesn't know about that. And then I pick up like a new balance. I go, what about these? You know anything about these? And he would do it again. Whoa, man, when did we get those in? He kept doing the when did we get those in game? I mean, I still bought a pair of shoes from him, but damn, I fucking didn't know shit. Okay, that'll do it. That's episode 61. It is in the books, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.